This is episode number 92 with the Bulletproof Executive, Dave Asprey. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. What is up, everyone? Thanks so much for joining me today on the School of Greatness podcast. My name is Lewis Howes, and a lot of you have been asking personal questions and asking me to share more information about myself on the podcast from my from my past. So I thought I'd give you guys a little fun fact today and let you guys know that I actually attended four different universities uh, while I was in college. It took me about seven years to actually complete it and get my degree in sports management but I actually went to four different universities. Can you believe it? I transferred around a lot. And I actually went to two schools twice. I went from one school to another, then back to that same school, then back to the other school, then back to the same school. So I was transferring around a lot. And uh, I studied abroad in Hawaii one semester. So uh, lots of different interesting times in college, mostly for sports and for football. But uh, that's my fun fact. Now, today we've got Dave Asprion, who is... Uh, the founder of the Bulletproof Executive, the Bulletproof Podcast, and he's a Silicon Valley investor and technology entrepreneur who spent 15 years and over $300,000 to hack his own biology. That's right. And he lost about 100 pounds without counting calories or excessive exercise and used techniques to upgrade his brain by more than 20 IQ points, lowered his biological age while learning to sleep more efficiently in less time. Learning to do all these seemingly impossible things transformed him into a better entrepreneur, husband, and father. Now, some of this uh, seems a little interesting for me, and I wanted to dive in and ask Dave all these questions. You know, can you really... Uh, sleep less and lose weight and still be efficient throughout the day. You know, as an athlete, I feel like I need to sleep more to recover when I'm training. So I dive into all these different questions. Dave is also the uh, the creator of the the very popular Bulletproof Coffee, which some of you may be aware of or even drink. So we talk about that process, what he's up to in the future, and many, many other cool things. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Dave Asprey. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit u.s restaurants and gas stations that's the powerful backing of american express Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. card. 
Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about today's guest. His name is Mr. Dave Asprey. What's going on, Dave? Not a lot right now. I'm super stoked to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, since I launched my podcast, you've been in the top of the ranks on the health category. I was, I kind of go back and forth to business and health because I'm, I'm a mixture of guests in that category. So it's always fun to try to uh, to, to beat you out every, every now and then for a couple of days and here and there. And I see you always ahead of me. So it's always, uh, it's always fun to, to, to strive for your, your level of podcast excellence. Well, well maybe <laughs> by having me on the show, what will help bump rankings <laughs> up some, and I hope this show beats my show, um, because that would be funny and awesome. And <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, we've been, uh, I've been watching you from afar, and obviously we have a lot of the same mutual friends. I think we probably got like a hundred mutual friends on Facebook or something crazy. So we've interviewed a number of uh, the same guests, and you know, fall in similar circles with books and stuff like that. So finally, grateful that I get to connect and really interview about what it means to be bulletproof. And so let's go ahead and just start with that. Like, why did you get into this bulletproof state of high performance, and what does it mean to be bulletproof? Bulletproof is, a, like you said, it's a state of high performance, but behind that high performance isn't invincibility or indestructibility, like you might imply from the name, but it's actually resilience. Mm. The idea of high performance resilience is maybe hard to get your mind around, but the idea is you can take the hit, you know what the hit is, you know what it's going to do to you, and you have the appropriate tools to help your biology do what you want it to do. So you're really taking control of, of your own biology, maybe for the first time. And when you do that, that opens up a gateway to let you take care of your own psychology. Mm. Because if your biochemistry is jacked, it doesn't really matter how much personal growth work you're going to do. Right. You've, you've got to address those core needs. And if you have problems with cellular respiration and your mitochondria are dysfunctional, I'm sorry, you're going to be cranky and tired a lot. And until you <laughs> fix that, it doesn't matter how much at peace you are, how many times you say ohm you're not going to be able to bring it when you need to bring it. So you're saying you got to fix the biology in order for you to have the energy to and the calmness to do everything else in your life is what you're saying. You got to fix the hardware before you write the software. Gotcha. So you can't just uh, do meditations or pray or whatever it is, uh, do spiritual mantras or affirmations if you're not physically and mentally uh, in the right state of mind or in the right physical state of, uh, of being first, correct? 
They may put you a can, Band-Aid on it, but it may not get to the root is what you're saying. Yeah, you can do those things, but it's much more difficult and you don't get the return on that investment of time and energy that you should expect from doing those amazing activities. Mm. So I'm not saying don't meditate. What I'm saying is put everything you have into making your biology work right so that when you meditate, you'll achieve your goals. Maximum results, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Now you were in Silicon Valley, you're an investor and an entrepreneur in the technology space, but what was really like the spark for all of this research and biohacking? Was it because you were overweight and you just said, I got to lose weight was the first thing, or was there something else that was off that you realized you got to start taking action on this? I weighed 300 pounds and wow. I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 pounds now. Wow. I'm, I've been putting on some muscle lately uh, with the electricity. So I might be around 220. I haven't weighed myself in a little while, but wow. I lost hundred pounds of fat and I'm really comfortable with, with that. Uh, that number. And wow. that wasn't the motivation though, because I mean, fat people are really motivated to lose weight. It's just most of us do things that don't work very well. And then we feel guilty that we didn't do them hard enough, which is great for the dieting industry, but <laughs> right. maybe not so good for your psyche. Hmm. The problem that I ran into was after I lost about half the weight, I had some serious brain fog. I'm, you know, 26 in Silicon Valley. I've, I've lost some weight, but I'm still pretty fat. And I made $6 million at the company that created modern cloud computing. Uh, Google's first servers were in our buildings and used our network. The company was called Exodus Communications. And it was an amazing time, but I would go to these meetings and I wouldn't know what happened to me after the meetings. I, I just couldn't remember anything. And I was just, I feel like I was hungover all the time and something was broken in my brain. I remember I went to the doctor and said, I, I feel like I've been poisoned. Like, like things aren't right. So here I am, you know, this like almost unimaginable amount of money, but I don't have cognitive health and mm. I don't have physical health. So I ended up spending $300,000 <laughs> on upgrading myself over the next uh, 10 or 15 years. I went from what I thought was normal, but turns out was really unhealthy to a level of performance that I never knew that I had in me. Like I, I am better now, my ability to pay attention, to focus, to think, to act, even to move than I was when I was 20 and I'm 41. Wow. And I started writing this stuff about three years ago while I was a VP at a big internet security company, just because it kind of wasn't fair that I had all this, <laughs> Information. All this money and time to spend on fixing all this. And I thought a few people would be would just really benefit. I might change a few people's lives who didn't have to deal with what I did. And I was just uh, honored, actually, by the overwhelming response to the techniques that I posted. Mm. So I, I ended up leaving my job in Silicon Valley, and I, I run Bulletproof now. Um, by the way, I lost my $6 million two years after I made it. So I've been working, you know, paying for my family like everyone else for the past 20 years. But I did have a couple years of, oh, my God, I'm rich beyond belief, and I'm 26 and full of myself. And that's why I got into anti-aging. Now, how'd you, how'd you lose uh, the $6 million? I was responsible for all mergers and acquisitions due diligence on the technology side. That meant that I was blacked out. It was illegal for me to trade our company stock. And I watched it fall from $60 a share to $5 a share when it was illegal for me to keep my money. Mm, interesting. And so from there, you said you mentioned how you got into anti-aging after that. Why did you get into anti-aging? I think when you're young and you get a ton of money, you're like, okay, I'm going to swing for the fences. I'm going to think really big. And I'm not alone here. I mean, look at 
what happened with uh, Larry and Sergey when they made like real money at Google, they're now <laughs> funding all these things to like, oh, I have a 20% increased risk of this disease. Well, here's a hundred million dollars <laughs> right. to that disease, right? It, it's actually a logical thing you do when you realize my core needs are met. I'm not going to starve. Uh, you know, right, I'm, right, I'm unlikely right. to die from all these other things. Well, how do I lower my risk? So I started thinking about that. And part of the reason I got into it truly is that the thing that helped me the most when I started having this cognitive dysfunction was smart drugs. Mm. So being an early internet guy, I went out there and I learned about smart drugs from a guy named Steve Folks, who was really, he wrote the first real book about how to use them. It turns out we've become good friends and he's an advisor to the anti-aging nonprofit that I've run for a decade called the Silicon Valley Health Institute. So smart drugs were a part of what turned my brain on enough to let me fix my own biology. Right. And given, given that, like that's just an obvious gateway into anti-aging because, well, I wanted my brain to be super powered. Like how can I make the rest of me last forever? And mm. I don't know if forever is even my goal anymore, but I do know that feeling awesome all the time is my goal. Right, I mean, right. That, dude, I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah, and in your bio, you talk about how you, you've lowered your biological age while learning to sleep more efficiently in less time. Now, what does that exactly mean by you've lowered your biological age and how old do you want to live till? There are probably dozens of ways of judging biological age from, you know, mitochondrial respiration to telomere length. And the measure that I'm using for that one was a 24 hour heart rate monitor, like a hospital grade monitor that you wear and you run it through an algorithm that looks at the uh, responsiveness of your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system to see how it compares to people of your age. And when I did that in the middle of my two years of five hours of sleep or less kind of experiment, I, uh, I found out that my nervous system, basically my stress level age was less than my biological age, even though I was intentionally stressing myself out. Mm. What I did was I thought, well, it's probably harmful to sleep five hours or less per night every night. I'm trying to get fat so I can prove that calories in did not equal the amount of weight I gained. I figured I'd, I'd eat enough calories, extra calories to gain 20 pounds. I would gain like two pounds and then say, look, magically 18 pounds disappeared. The math is wrong. <laughs> what I did was I lost weight and I got this just a ton of mental focus and clarity and I started Bulletproof while outperforming in my day job as a, a VP wow. at a company. With less sleep. Uh, I was five hours or less every single night. Now, were you working out a lot as well and doing intense activities, physical activities or just? No, that, pro that probably would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped working out entirely. Okay. So, so this is how to lose weight without the physical activity, but just by what you put in your body. Yeah. And by the way, I say I stopped working out. It doesn't mean I stopped moving. Sure. Those are just different things. And a lot of people think going for a walk is working out. And sorry, I, I got news for you. They're not the same. Right. But an intense workout is a physical stressor. Not getting enough sleep is a physical stressor. And being sick or you know having your spouse yell at you uh, or not having enough money, those are all stress. And so mm -hmm. you've got so much stress to spend. Uh, I went through everything I could in, in life to maximize my resilience during that time. Mm. And that meant that I didn't do heavy workouts because I would have needed more sleep, uh, several more hours of sleep during right. that time if I did. To recover or nap time or something like that, right? Yeah. Gotcha. 
So that's interesting. That was one of my questions because you were just spoke at Mastermind Talks, I believe, with uh, where I was at last year. And I saw, I think, was Amir Rosich there as well? Yeah. And he was on the show a while back and talking about the power of sleep for elite athletes and entrepreneurs. And, you know, he has this whole ritual where he goes to, he, he turns off everything when the lights go out in the natural sunlight, basically. And he um, t- turns off all the screens and dims the lights and goes to bed, I think around 10 o'clock every night, wakes up with the sunrise and then has this whole process of why it recharges him, why it gives him more energy, why it helps him to live longer, all these different things. Um, but it sounds like you're doing a little bit of the opposite where, you know, you're not focused on as much sleep as necessary, but he also is an extreme athlete and trains really hard. So that's why he'd probably need that. Right. Yeah. If you're going to do that to your body to be an extreme athlete, you are going to want that extra sleep to do the the physical repair. Uh, I would argue that being an extreme athlete like that, well, it can be emotionally and physically uh, really rewarding that from an anti-aging strategy, it's mm. maybe you're wearing some things out, you're pushing things pretty hard. There's a comfortable, healthy amount of intense exercise. But if sure. you're an extreme athlete, you might be exceeding that. Sure. It's interesting. And then sleep matters. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I'm actually, I forgot to show you that we were talking uh, for those listening in. Dave and I were video chatting before this interview. And I forgot to show you, Dave, that I've actually got a cup of uh, Bulletproof coffee on my hands right now. I'm sipping on it for the first time. I'm trying for the first time. I've been hearing about it from all my friends who are like, swear by it. And I don't drink coffee. Uh, so this, I went to Air One. I live right <laughs> next to, uh, I live in LA next to Air One, which uh, you're, there's signs outside that say Bulletproof coffee. It's amazing the type of marketing you get at a grocery store. Um, you know, outside, there's no other signs promoting any other product except for Bulletproof. I took a picture and I'll send it to you. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. I'd love to see that picture. I, I love the guys at Air One. It's, it's the only store I've ever been to in the U.S. or Canada where they have a licensed physician in the vitamin section. Oh you can actually tell you what's going on. Like, it, I it, love that. It's inc- It like puts Whole Foods to shame. It's like oh, yeah. such an incredible store. Everything is the most expensive thing ever. It's it's, But it's amazing. Uh, so anyways, I was like, okay, I got to go in and try this today before I get on the interview so I can really experience the product, right? And I actually took the uh, – my stomach was really hurting me last week, and my uh, my assistant gave me one of the coconut charcoal uh, vitamins or whatever they are. Yeah, the, the capsules, the detox capsules. Yes, right? and it was like it took the pain away in my stomach. I had like this intense stomach ache, and it really – uh, so, you know, solved that issue for me like within an hour and I felt a lot better. So the stuff's been great. Anyways, I tried the, uh, I tried the coffee and it's, it's awesome. You know, it's really intense for me cause I don't drink caffeine. So I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is like my, my stomach really feels it. And I'm like charged up, but it tastes good. And, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a, a cool, a cool taste. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to try that out. Um, what was I going to say? I was getting off on a rant there. But um, about exercise and sleep, probably. Yes. Um, man, I had a point to that story. But besides the fact that it's really good and, I'm, and it's cool that you're in stores and, and seeing that. But exercise, what was I going to say? Man, I had a point to that. 
Uh, I, I think we stimulated your brain. Go, go light on your first cup. <laughs> it, it actually, since you got it at Air One, they make it with brain octane oil, yes. which is this extract of coconut oil. And it it will turn on mitochondria that can burn ketones better than glucose. Wow. Uh, there's a study out there that says your your brain prefers those, and brain octane is a source of ketones. So sometimes people are like, my brain is working all the way, and I don't know what to do with it. Just the first day, and then you kind of get used to having the capacity. and it, then you, yeah. It's so charged up, right? It's like it's intense. <laughs> it's interesting because my uh, my assistant, she, uh, her husband lost forty pounds in two months doing the bulletproof diet, and she sent me some notes because she knew I was interviewing you. She scheduled this, and she said he, I'm reading his notes right now. His cholesterol dropped eighty six points. Holy crap! Tri- triglycerides dropped by a hundred points, and his blood pressure went back to normal range. She says the diet works. But why, how, it goes against everything we've ever been taught about fats. It makes absolutely no sense that you can drink butter and oil and lose weight. So can you explain that? <laughs> sure. I, <laughs> I thought that was a good testimonial for you too. <laughs> I, it, it blows it blows him away and I'm, I'm grateful for that. The, my experience was kind of the same. I, I mentioned before this, this kind of ridiculous two years where I went on five hours of sleep. I also had between 4,000 and 4,500 calories a day. My goal wow. was to get fat. And why was I'd it to already, get fat? Yeah, I wanted just to get a little bit fat so I could just like kind of hang out and be like, guys, I know that counting calories doesn't make sense, but here it is. I slept less, which makes you fatter if, sure. if you're not improving sleep quality at the same time. I ate more, which is supposed to make you fat, and I stopped exercising. And what do you know? <laughs> I didn't gain, I was thought I'd say I didn't gain nearly as, enough weight. But what I didn't expect, I posted exactly one picture of my six pack. Keep in mind, I'm a former 300 pounder. I have stretch marks. Like I'm not exactly like pleased that I have like zebra stripes all along my love handles, (laughs) but I don't have love handles. But you're Uh, a fit looking guy. I'm pretty stoked. And like it keeps getting better the longer I do this. Wow. So um, I did post the one picture of my six pack ever about 18 months into that experiment just to be like, no, really, this is how I look after doing this thing that should have made me gain weight. And there's something wrong with this you know, 30, you eat an extra 3,500 calories, you're going to gain a pound of fat. Like it just doesn't work like that. Mm. So you're, so, wait, so you're saying that if I eat an extra 3,500 calories than I normally eat, that I'm not going to gain a pound. I will say that categorically, you're not going to gain a pound. Okay. Now, right now, people who have, you know, carbohydrate or calorie laboratories, you know, where they measure everything you breathe, they're saying, but that's, that's not true. If, if you have an extra 3,500, uh, calories that go into the body, it's actually about 3,500, um, then you, you have to gain weight. But the thing is, when the calories go into your body, your body changes the amount of energy that you use. Mm. So if you want to be low energy, eat a low calorie diet and your brain will be like, I'm tired, especially if you do it for a long period of time. And it's, it's kind of a, a nasty trap because you can make yourself thin wow. by basically telling your body there's a tiger chasing me. And I mean, just go for a long jog every day and then tell your body there's a famine by eating no fat and by eating a low calorie diet. And yes, if you go to anywhere in the world where there's been a famine, there are many thin people, but none of them are going to live a long time and none of them are biologically healthy. So if your goal is to be biologically healthy, maybe you should eat the right amounts of fat and have lots of energy for your brain, but not eat excessive carbs. 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So you're actually so, saying it's it's valuable to eat more calories, the right types of calories to create more energy for yourself throughout the day and you're not going to gain weight by doing so. As long as the calories are the right kinds of calories and you're not eating things in that food that also make you fat. Mm. There are certain environmental toxins and man-made toxins that contribute to weight gain and they also cause food cravings, most of them. So it turns out it's, it's a, a relatively long set of things to understand. But what I did over the course of that two years, and keep in mind, I've, I've been working with anti-aging professionals and interviewing them and, and all that for more than a decade. But I boiled these principles down. Uh, I wrote my first book. I co-authored it with uh, my wife about what do you do before and during pregnancy from a nutrition perspective. So like, there's a lot of work that went into creating the principles behind the Bulletproof Diet. But the, the proof in the pudding for me, so, so to speak, was this two-year period of just excessive calories, more than I wanted, when I'm like, the only way I can get this in my body is I'm going to just use more and more of this Bulletproof coffee. So I I did that and was just totally shocked. And when I, I published more about that and I started using principles from ketosis to do not plain intermittent fasting, which for most people who have jobs, it doesn't work that well because they get really mm. tired in the middle of the day. You, you keep the ketones high using Bulletproof coffee, but you eat no protein and no sugar. So wow. there's a meal timing thing that works. But end of the day, it's pretty easy to lose weight when you're never, ever hungry. You don't have to <laughs> anymore. 
Right. Like so you're generating you're you're adding the calories through the coffee with the butter and the the oils, right? Is the is the Yeah, it's it's called brain octane oil. Yeah. And it's and it's a kind of coffee that doesn't have the mold toxins that are common in coffee. So you get a jitter and a crash. A lot of people say, I can't drink coffee. It makes me jittery. Well, it turns out they're actually sensitive to the toxins in the coffee, not to coffee itself, mm. because those people drink my coffee, which is lab tested and created differently even before it's roasted. And that difference that, wow, I drink it and I feel different. So I, I have the, all those problems. I drink most coffee. I feel jittery. I'm like, I can tell you if there's mold in coffee because my body mm-hmm. reacts that way. Wow. And then my lab tests back that up. I'm like, there we go. That's, that's a clean cup. Mm, right. So yeah, you do all that stuff right. But on the Bulletproof diet, what you're doing is you're eating a lot of fat, like 70% of your calories come from fat and lots of saturated fat from clean sources like healthy animals that ate grass. And you feel a difference immediately just in how your brain works, just your zest for life comes back on. And for me, that's it. I want my brain to feel good. If I had an extra 10 pounds, I don't care. Like I'm 41, I have two kids, I'm married, (laughs) and it it just really isn't, I'm not a cover model. I'm I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a dad. I just wanna look good and I wanna feel good. Feel good, yeah. But do I need to look like I'm Superman? Like, no, I don't. Right. <laughs> and part of that is part of that genetics too, where some people are just like, doesn't matter what they eat, they're just shredded six packs or Yeah, there there are some people who just are genetically like that. But here's an interesting thing. In mice, they can make germ-free mice. And so these are mice that are specially raised to have zero bacteria in their bodies, and they can feed them anything and they're like lean and shredded. Then they introduce gut bacteria and they'll gain 60% body fat in like a week. Wow. So it turns out that it's not just genetic. It's like, what bacteria did your parents have? And did you inherit those from your parents? So there's a whole section in the Bulletproof Diet book. And by the way, I hope you don't mind a quick plug, bulletproofdietbook.com. Just please check it out. I'll send you the first chapter free. I'll give you the infographic for the diet free. I just want people to feel this way. Uh, and hopefully you'll like it and pre-order my book. And I'd be grateful for that. For sure. But download the, the roadmap that tells you what to eat when and which foods are less inflammatory than others. Pretty straightforward to follow. And when you do that, there's there's a whole section in that book about what it does to your gut bacteria. And it's fascinating that those bacteria that you think are healthy may actually be making you fat because they've kind of hijacked or hacked some of the systems in the body. And as a biohacker, like, oh wait, there's already a hacker in my body and how do I hack the hacker? And it turns out what you put in your mouth works. Interesting. Now, who is the Bulletproof Diet for? Because is, can an extreme athlete get on this diet and this, you know, obviously they can't sleep that, that little. So would it not be for that type of individual or who is there, it for? There are and who's multiple not for? world champions using the Bulletproof diet religiously. In fact, the higher performance they are, the more they adhere to like the smaller principles of it. Because the difference now, especially at the, at the very high end of competition, it's, you know, 0.01 seconds sometimes between first and last. You know, it's amazing. So the smallest nuance nutritionally can have just enough of a boost in order for you to win. Sure. And when you're executing at that level, you feel it. So then you, you really start paying attention. Uh, so we have about 93 ambassadors, people who are you know, top of their game, uh, world poker champions, wow. uh, guys with NFL rings, uh, professional wrestlers uh, with heavyweight belts that are doing the Bulletproof Diet and talking about it on Facebook and Twitter. And 
I'm I'm just blown away because I, I built this for myself as an <laughs> entrepreneur who wants to live a long time really comfortably, doesn't want to age too quickly, wants to look good. But most of all, I just I, I want to always be able to bring it. I want to be able to get on an airplane, fly halfway around the world, get off the plane, stand on stage and not stutter mm. and not think of what I was going to say and just just be able to bring it all day long until I'm the last guy in the room bringing it uh, and then go to sleep. Wow. And I'm, I can do it. Like I, I've run circles around <laughs> some guys, you know, 10 or 15 years younger than me uh, because I've hacked my biology that way. And it just feels like this is kind of like a human birthright. And when I see a, a guy who could kick my ass 10 ways from Sunday right. or a, a professional athlete or, or like a Hollywood guy, I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, and I'm, I'm just so stoked that they found value in, in the core framework for the diet. Cause it, it totally sure. works. It changed my life. Wow. Incredible. Now, are there, are there any negative effects of cycling on and off the diet or is it something you're constantly doing or that people are constantly doing, or, um, is it kind of like you take it when you need it or is it just a complete lifestyle change? The, the bulletproof diet is, it's a roadmap and you're always somewhere on the map. So there's kind of sketchy neighborhoods and <laughs> you can be in the pizza and beer neighborhood, right? right. You're still eating X amount of inflammation. And the idea of, you know, eat this, don't eat that uh, kind of diet stuff, which is how every diet's been for the most part. It doesn't work with the psychology of humans very well because sometimes you want to cheat and then, oh, I cheated and then I failed. So I might as well just eat. And you feel guilty meat. and then you yeah. overindulge, right? <laughs> right. And so what I... So how's the how's the bulletproof diet work then? What's what are the spectrum. food? Okay. So so you pick something like protein or fat or nuts. Like there's different categories in it, and then you say, well, how can I make the best choice in that category given what's in front of me right now? Mm. So if you had a choice between, let's say, industrial processed chicken, which is really not very good for you, or industrially processed genetically modified tofu. Well, neither one of those is particularly <laughs> What's good. What's the you? lesser of two evils? Yeah, but shouldn't you, especially if you don't like either one very much, but you got to eat something right now, um, shouldn't you pick the one that's least harmful to your body? And most of us would say yes, but most of us probably don't know which one that is. Well, on the diet, I stack rank all that stuff mm. so you can choose less inflammatory, healthier foods. And in the book, I recommend that people for just two weeks, they eat like super clean on the Bulletproof diet. And the reason you do that is just to feel how you feel. Sure. Like, wow, I didn't need a nap this afternoon. I paid attention in the meeting. I got my laundry done. And like, I feel good at the end of the day. And then I slept really deeply. Mm. And you realize how addled you were before. And then I wanted to go out and eat like the classical cheat day. Right. Uh, and just, just get wrecked. <laughs> because you'll feel crappy for three days and then you're like, oh, that's how it used to be. And right. Really on the bulletproof diet. You're not going to be perfect, but you're just going to make better choices when you have a good choice in front of you. And there'll be times when you just ate like a pint of, of Haagen-Dazs, but at least you got your saturated fat in, even though it was from lower quality animals <laughs> and you got too much sugar and you know you're out of ketosis and whatever. But like, OK, I'm still on the roadmap because you can't mm. leave the roadmap. And, and that's the important thing. Hmm. That's interesting. I did a, I've done a, a number of different experience experiments from on myself with foods, not to the level that you've done, but, uh, I got up to 250 pounds, you know, I used to be, I used to play pro football. So I was eating probably seven, 8,000 calories a day when I was Holy training. Crap. Cause it was, you know, five, six hours of training, lifting, yeah. you know, film. It was just like nonstop, a lot of energy. And, um, 
after I stopped playing, I got injured and I was recovering for about a year with a broken, you know, with surgery from a broken wrist and I was in a cast for a long time and I was still eating those calories. You know, I thought I was still kind of training my body. I thought I was still training, I guess. So I was eating a lot, you know, double Chipotle burritos with double meat uh, for lunch, you know, and then just like desserts like crazy. And uh, I gained, I don't know, 35 pounds or something, but it was all really sloppy. My siblings started to call me Fluis for Fat Lewis. <laughs> and um, I started to realize it at one point when my underwear folded over itself, when I just had it on, like belly was sticking out so much that the underwear was folding over. So I said, enough's enough. I'm gonna go off, No, I'm gonna just gonna try one thing, no sugar for 30 days. And I had no sugar, no like refined sugars. I had like a piece of fruit once a day and that was my only sugar. And um, within 30 days, I lost 30 pounds, um, just cutting out sugar, not doing anything different exercise wise, nothing else, just no sugar. And uh, there were some other moments where I, I tried to get off gluten. I, I did no gluten for two weeks. And then I remember having a huge bowl of pasta then like after two weeks and I literally felt like I was drunk. Like I couldn't open my eyes. I could barely move. I wanted to pass out right then. So I noticed some things about my body when I was just doing these tests. And I'm sure you have lots of stories like that. But uh, what I wanted to ask you was, what is the difference between paleo and the Bulletproof diet? Because every time I go to the bookstore, it seems like there's 10 new paleo bestsellers out there. And are there similar principles or uh, is yours completely different? There are some similar principles. Uh, the Bulletproof Diet evolved uh, before there was a, a name for uh, for paleo. Uh, this started back in around 2003, really. Uh, the research before that was, wow. was for years before that. And this is the principles in this diet allowed my wife to restore her fertility. Uh, she had PCOS. We weren't going to be able to have kids. And we had two children without fertility assistance at uh, 39 and 41. Now, she's a Karolinska-trained physician and you know knows what she's doing. But so, so this is something that, that's been going on for a long time. There are definitely things that Paleo and Bulletproof have learned from the Weston A. Price Foundation around uh, What's you know, that? Natural, natural health and eating grass-fed animals and things like that. But the core principles behind Bulletproof, I focus more on inflammatory toxins than traditional paleo. And mm -hmm. I'm also less dogmatic about carbs than traditional paleo. And I say traditional paleo because, I mean, I, I love the paleo community and I have so many friends who are big people in, in paleo and a lot of them have been on my show and, and I, you know, I, I like it. The problems with paleo are, are coming out, some of the things around carbohydrate intake. So we now have people saying, well, here's the way to modify paleo for you. And it turns out we're different. So on the Bulletproof diet, I focus more on inflammatory toxins like how to cook your meat. I, I actually have a huh. set of recommendations there. Burned meat or excessive protein are two of the main problems in paleo. Really? Too much protein is inflammatory. Really? Too little protein or low quality protein is bad for you too. Huh. So how much protein should you be having? It depends on how much you exercise and it depends on what your goals are. But the, the short version of that answer is as little protein as you can get away with to meet your goals. Really? <laughs> yeah. And this is the opposite of what I used to believe because I've followed natural bodybuilding guys 
uh, guys like Rob Fagan going back into the, the mid nineties. And I've always been like, got to pump the protein, got to pump the protein. The difficulty with that is something you'll see anytime you go to a traditional Atkins diet conference, you'll see a bunch of 300 pound people who used to weigh 400 pounds. And the same thing happened to me. I went from 300 down to 250. I had 50 to go and I was stuck. And the reason I was stuck is that I was eating too much protein and I was eating some artificial sweeteners that jack up your blood sugar and cause food cravings. But one of the techniques that I write about in the Bulletproof Diet book is called Bulletproof Protein Fasting. So once a day, you eat less than 15 grams or once a day. Once a week, you eat less than 15 grams of protein. So almost no protein. Even you have to be careful like broccoli and kale because there's protein in there. And this turns on something called autophagy, which totally allows your cells to take all of that fuel that would have been used for digestion of protein and turn it onto digesting waste protein inside your cells. So autophagy can clean out your cells and you'll feel a difference right away if you're used to eating protein every single day. So doing this even once a month or ideally once a week, if you're really trying to improve yourself, it has anti-aging applications. It's pretty amazing. And paleo doesn't really talk about that. So I've got sort of three different things you do. You do the normal bulletproof diet. You eat kind of the same stuff every day. You've got bulletproof intermittent fasting where you eat only fat in the morning so you don't have to feel like you're going through a fast, but you still get the fat burning benefits and some of the other benefits of fasting. And then you've got this one day a week of protein fasting. It's not painful because the entire time, I don't want you to ever feel hungry or have a food craving. And if you eat according to these principles, that's what's supposed to happen. Wow. This is interesting, actually. (laughs) Now, for a guy like me that's training constantly, you know, I'm, I'm working out, I'm playing with the USA national team, I'm trying to go to the Olympics, you know, is, do I need protein or do I need to, you know, can I do this? You're going to up your protein, uh, for sure. Right. And what you don't want to do though, is like pound whey protein and keep in mind, I manufacture like one of the best whey proteins I think on the market. Uh, and I've, I've done all sorts of stuff to increase its glutathione creating power and all that. But I tell people like, two tablespoons of whey protein a day ought to do it because excessive cysteine and methionine, which are amino acids that your body needs, but too much of those things actually goes down inflammatory pathways. If you instead go with high glycine protein, things like collagen, and I make a grass-fed collagen that's the the most premium stuff out there. It's amazing. I, I take it every single day. I give it to my kids. And when you use a less inflammatory, high quality protein source, in this case, one that's hydrolyzed, so it's pre-digested, so you can absorb it and you get the dye and tripeptides. What happens there is that you're able to use the protein fully and you get less ammonia left over. And what ammonia does is it causes inflammation, it increases the load on your liver and kidneys, and it makes you tired and foggy and actually makes you cranky. Whoa. So... What you want to do is play with the quality of the protein and then play with the timing of the protein. Mm. Uh, you know, Do you train in a fasted state or do you not train in a fasted state? And there's arguments both ways. I, I like to do it, uh, but if you're training every single day, training in a fasted state may actually cause so much stress on your adrenals that you might want to either take an adrenal extract or you might want to preload with some protein and some fat before you work out. Really? Because you never want to burn protein for fuel. And mm. And that's a bit controversial. You can burn protein for fuel. It's just not an efficient fuel source because it makes too much byproduct. It's like if you had one of those military trucks that could burn almost any kind of fuel for a disaster. Well, kerosene makes like stinky, nasty smoke. 
And if you're burning high octane gas, it runs like a top. Well, the highest octane fuel you can get is fat. It's got the most calories per gram. And once you become keto adapted, which means you've taught your body how to burn fat, you will willingly and happily burn fat as a fuel source. Hmm. So the idea behind the Bulletproof Diet is go into ketosis, be there for a little while, and then once a week, come out of ketosis. Eat a bunch of carbs, but not like junk food carbs. Hmm. Eat white rice, eat sweet potatoes, eat yeah, I love sweet potatoes. Oh yeah, like just bake them so in the oven, good. soak them in butter. Oh my okay. gosh. Wow. Okay, so let me break this down. So we're, we're covering a lot right now and I'm trying to take it all in. So let me think about from like the simplest terms because you're, you're mentioning a lot of names and things that I'm aware of, but I don't know if everyone is aware of what they mean and kind of the principles behind them. So um, let's say I, I wake up and I, do, I don't eat in the morning. That's, that's called intermittent fasting, right? There's a certain period yeah. where you don't eat, correct? It could be a, uh, until noon or the whole day or whatever. Um, now, if I work out without eating beforehand, or if I do a run or something where I'm, bur I'm burning calories, am I burning fat first or am I burning protein first? Because you, you mentioned something like you don't want to burn protein uh, off of your workouts, correct? If you work out in a fasted state and you eat a low fat or a high protein, low fat diet, you've taught your body the first place to go is to go to protein. So you can actually mm. burn your muscles for fuel and oh, yeah. you don't want to be doing that. That's not good. But if you have gone into ketosis and your body is comfortable in a fat burning state or in a carbohydrate burning state uh, like mine is, then your body's like, oh, here's some fat. I can burn some fat and it'll make ketones much more readily and it'll burn fat for fuel. And there are guys who've placed you know, very highly in the Ironman at Kona who have brain octane fuel, which is the, the type of fat that goes most quickly into ketones in the body. And ketones are these fat burning bodies. Instead of carrying glucose around, you can burn ketones. And they actually have it in their water bottles, not mm. just a little bit of it mixed with water. But that sort of thing that says, wow, my body really likes burning ketones because it's more efficient than burning sugar and it can also burn sugar. Like those kinds of things to have two fuel sources uh, changes the whole equation. Wow. This stuff fascinates me. You know, the thing is that everyone's body is different though. So do these principles work for each person or is it again, kind of like you've done where you've tested and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on yourself and done these experiments. When we apply the bulletproof diet or, or any type of diet, do we really need to uh, test what works for us? What, where we're experiencing the feedback we're getting from our body and our focus and tailor it to each person because we're all made up differently, right? Yeah, you're totally right. We're all made up differently. The core principles of eat a diet that allows your body to go into fat burning mode, uh, that alone, some people go into fat burning mode on 100 grams of carbs a day. And some people have to go down to 15 grams of carbs a day because they just have a really hard time doing it. So there's a big difference. And the other thing that's totally not even related to paleo, that's a big part of the Bulletproof diet is there are bulletproof foods that work for almost everyone. These are the ones that have the most energy, the least amount of toxins, the ones that, that really just make you feel great. Right. There's a set of, I call them kryptonite foods. Just no one should be eating this crap. Like it's better than starving to death, but <laughs> if you're buying this book, you actually aren't. What are some of those foods? Uh, like uh, MSG, uh, things actually mm -hmm. I would call gluten, especially high gluten foods, 
uh, high fructose corn syrup, things like that. They just don't have a place in your diet. It's not that it's going to kill you to eat them once. They'll probably cause a food craving and and may change your ability to think super well for a little while. They're not going to kill you. They just suck. And like, if you want to be a high performer, these are things that don't have a place in your kitchen. And if you occasionally get exposed to one, unless you have some weird autoimmune condition, eh, you'll probably live, but you won't live as well as you could have. So, and, so, so gluten is really bad is what you're saying. You should not have yeah. it in your diet. And, and very, very much so, even if you're not celiac. And I've had a couple of the the top gluten doctors on the show, on the, the Bulletproof radio podcast, to talk about this. In particular, there was some study that came out that said there's no such thing as you know, non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Uh, bottom line is when you eat gluten, it lowers blood flow to the brain. You don't want that. You really don't. And in, in many people, it causes autoimmune problems in nine different tissues in the body that are not celiac. So there's pretty good reasons to avoid it. It's so funny because, you know, playing football and basketball growing up, you know, we would have team dinners like the right before a game or something, and they would just fill us up with pasta and meat, right? And it was just yep. like kind of eat as much as you can to get much, as much energy as possible. I always remember feeling like I was yawning in games. Like I was always exhausted. But before the game even started warming up, I was like, man, I got to play for the next four hours. This is going to be tough. And it was like I was working against myself all the time. And um, again, like I said, when I did that experiment where I got off of gluten completely for two weeks, when I when I had a bowl of pasta, it was delicious. Don't get me wrong. It tasted amazing. But I literally felt like my body was uh, was not functioning within an hour afterwards. I couldn't. I remember we were going on a drive uh, to look at a view over Mulholland with a couple of buddies of mine at night to like look over all of L.A., and I couldn't get out of the car to go out and look at the view. I was like, guys, I got to lay down. I'm exhausted. I feel like I'm going to like pass out. I literally couldn't open my eyes. And it was that much of an effect on my body. And I'm not, it, you know, well, I guess I've built up immunity to it by having it so much that when I took it out and then it came back, it was just, it messed me up. Well, there's something called gluteomorphin. And in many people, when you break down gluten, it forms an opiate substance. So huh. once you're, quote, clean, then, okay, fine. But if you take a little bit of heroin every day, okay, just a little bit, you're totally fine, right? So you go through withdrawals, and this will happen. It, it took me a couple of years to figure this out when I first went low-carb. I, I was like, well, okay, once a week, like there's this crusty sourdough bread. I live in California. It's amazing. So I'd eat it. And I'd say, I'm just going to have one piece. And the next day, I would find myself sort of tricking myself. Like, I'm just going to have two pieces and then three pieces. And I'm like, oh, my God, this bread stuff is addictive. <laughs> and I didn't know the reason it was addictive until a few years later. But I just realized I had to be cold turkey on that. Wow. So we have these, these kryptonite foods, things like that, that are going to cause food cravings. They're going to make you have a lag in energy, a lag in focus. And you don't want that. And a lot of them also make you fat. Right. But in the middle of the Bulletproof diet, and to really kind of separate it out from what's going on in paleo, there's a bunch of suspect foods. So if you're eating super clean, don't eat those. But <laughs> some people like beans and a few people even digest them well and it doesn't make them fat or give them food cravings. I think beans are a really problematic food source. Really? For most people. Yeah, some people are fine on them and there's a lot to do with your gut biome and what bacteria you have. But there's also something called a lectin. This is a, a protein that's inside the bean that sticks to some of the sugars that line the cells in your body. So depending on your genetics and depending on environmental factors, a lot of people, these lectins don't do them any good, 
lectins are there to make sure animals don't eat beans because beans are supposed to germinate and sprout and continue the survival of the bean species. Wow, yeah. They weren't designed to be food. So traditional techniques of fermenting and cooking and rinsing and all these things just to make them palatable, that's a good idea. But if you're eating you know, bean flour that somebody just ground up from beans, you're not getting proper preparation of them either. Right. So beans are considered a suspect food on the diet. And there's a free app. It's called Food Detective. This is an huh. app that I released at no cost because it's so important people have this, whether or not they ever read my book, doesn't matter. And what you do is you get your heart rate using the app before you eat, and then you measure it three times after you eat. And it will tell you if you had a sensitivity to something that was in that meal. And this is a test of your sympathetic nervous system response. So if there was a food that you were particularly sensitive to, this will flag it for you. It's easier to get a blood test to say what foods am I allergic to? Don't eat those for a while until your body can calm down. And what I found is the vast majority of people today have some foods they don't know about. Oftentimes the foods they crave the most that are actually making them weak. So you want to identify the suspect foods, take the ones that are actually kryptonite for you and just cut those out. And wow. the ones where you're like, well, I don't gain weight. I feel pretty good. I don't get hungry. I don't get brain fog from that. You know, I'm okay with white potatoes. I just tell people when you're trying to eat super clean, don't do white potatoes because 20% of all rheumatoid arthritis is caused by potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants, and bell peppers Jeez. because of that same thing, the lectin that sticks to certain things in your body. There's a genetic component too. So just cut that stuff out. You don't need white potatoes to live. Feel really, really good. Add them back in. And if you wake up feeling like a truck hit you, that's a pretty good sign white potatoes aren't for you. Wow. Yeah, I just downloaded the app. It looks really cool. So make sure everyone goes and downloads that. And I'll have that linked up in the show notes at the end for sure. Um, let me tell me what are the main like what are the three to five non-negotiables the things that you cannot have that you should not be having must take out you said gluten is one you know i talked to a lot of uh vegans i've got some great friends who are vegans been vegans for 15 years and they look amazing and i don't know how they look really young they look really fit and amazing and uh, rich roll i don't know if you know rich roll he's got a podcast vegan runner yeah. and you know he talked about you got to cut out all dairy all right, we got to talk about vegans, uh, and including Rich, okay. for sure. Uh, but we can talk about things to take out. Uh, soy, corn, and particularly corn syrup. Corn, no corn. Uh, particularly no dried corn products and no corn syrup and no corn oil. What about if corn on the cob? Fresh, sweet corn, go for it. Okay. I love <laughs> sweet <cob>. corn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see, that's three. Uh, anything containing MSG. Uh -huh. And the other one is, I would say, legumes, particularly peanuts. Wow. And part of the reason, oh, oh wait, hold on, I forgot the other massive one, that would be number six, is actually dairy, except butter or ghee. Because huh. dairy protein, particularly cheese, is highly inflammatory, and Rich is spot on about that. so good, though. It tastes oh, cheese is so delicious. amazing, Dave. I just love cheese. Blue cheese is even better. The stinkier, the better. <laughs> the moldier it's like unbelievable so i'm going so to, bad though right <laughs> it well there are some people who will argue that that it's good for you and i know a few people who cured like weird throat throat infections by eating blue cheese no way oh yeah well, uh however that's there's actually a toxin called roquefortisin and you'd be amazed where it comes from you know roquefort cheese roquefort cheese yeah and and here's what cheese is we take 
the milk from the cow. And if the cow ate what most cows on earth eat today, which is grains and all, they actually feed moldy grain because it's been stored for a while in a shed somewhere <laughs> uh, to the cows. And this is well documented. In literature. Oh, I'm not man. just like making this up. You can search for aflatoxin milk oh. and most countries have standards. And in the US, we actually do have a standard for just aflatoxin. But the protein in milk accumulates approximately 60% of the mold toxins that the animal eats. Oh. By the way, this is one of the hidden reasons that paleo works because paleo tells you to eat grass-fed animals that didn't eat moldy grain. Wow. So you reduce the the effect of these toxins that affect your body at a parts per billion level. Like super tiny amounts can affect your inflammation levels. So with cheese though, you're taking this already kind of toxic protein and then you're putting it in a little place to age with some enzymes and some bacteria and some fungus. And then a little war erupts between the bacteria and the fungus or just between uh, different strains of bacteria. And what one of them does is say, this is my cheese. And then it like basically spreads out some poison for the other stuff. Ugh. And then the other stuff is like, oh yeah, back at you. And then it like goes into chemical warfare. And then they basically lob chemicals at each other until there's no more raw material left for making raw materials to fight for your piece of the cheese. And it tastes amazing, no question about <laughs> it. But it does things to the biome in your stomach. The biome is you know, the bacteria that live in your gut. Oh. And it does things to the inflammation in your body. And if there is casein left in your cheese, which there usually is, casein goes into caseomorphin just like gluten did. And it triggers the opiate receptors that make you crave more cheese. Oh, That's why God. pizza is such a major, amazing uh, tasting drug. It's the I had two full pizzas a couple nights ago, if you can believe it or not. It's thin crust. They were very... Very thin, so it wasn't that much. But uh, man, it's just once in a while I gotta have a pizza. You know, if you're gonna do it, they make pizza crust out of white rice, particularly white like sushi rice, and that is much better for you than gluten. And then if you do it with grass-fed cheese on there, you it's can get or buffalo cheese, like buffalo mozzarella. Ooh, that sounds good. That's a legit pizza, and that's going to be less inflammatory than doing the traditional gluten industrial cheese route. Sure, sure. Man, it's just so good. It's such a... But right, here's Let's, a, let's talk vegans. Let's Did do you, it. Yeah, I want to talk right. vegans because I've got vegan friends who are like, swear by it. They've got, you know, obviously some have the principles for not wanting to kill animals. Others just think that it's, uh, you know, not healthy. Um, and then, you know, all the reasons for... The dairy, the meat, the inflammation, what am I saying? Inflammation from meats, things like that. So, yeah, what's your take on vegans and uh, what's why is it important to eat meat? I was a raw vegan uh, for a good amount of time and really? I actually lost weight. I felt amazing. Oh, yeah, I could have written raw vegan cookbooks. In fact, some of the cooking techniques in Bulletproof came right out of my time as a raw vegan. How many years you know, or how long? I was a raw vegan for about six months, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And after about three months, I noticed that my teeth were starting to really hurt. They became sensitive and I had like a dental emergency. I had to like cancel a meeting because like one of my teeth had cracked and I started getting weird autoimmune stuff that I didn't have before. Some food allergies that are still with me today. And I realized that it wasn't serving me. So I actually became a raw omnivore and I would eat either carpaccio or sushi a couple times a week. So I, I ended up stopping that when I went to China and Nepal and Tibet because I'm not eating raw yak that's been hanging outside <laughs> someone's shed. Right. It's, it's not safe. And I asked, I mean, I, I care very much about animal welfare. I'm actually building a small organic farm right now where I'll that's actually cool. have my own animals. 
I really like that. And I asked uh, this Tibetan Lama, because I, I did a 10-day Buddhist retreat, and it was vegetarian, and, and everyone kept farting when they were meditating, and it was it was kind of embarrassing, because you just couldn't help it, because everyone was just eating all these beans. <laughs> and I went a little further into Tibet, and I saw a yakskin hanging from a prayer pole. And Buddhist monks really actually like hard questions. It's part of their training. So I asked the head lama, say, hey, like, what's with the no killing thing? You have a dead animal hanging from your flagpole. Like, why did you kill it? And he just shrugged and said, one death feeds everyone. Mm. And he said, we need meat in order to be healthy here. And was totally calm with it. And I, when I came back, I, I struggled with this because I, I still, I don't eat chicken. I, I think chickens, it's one death per meal. I eat grass-fed beef. The cows that I eat when I'm home eat grass that grows in the front yard, basically. I, I sell the hay to the neighboring guy who raises the cows, and then I get a cow back. And I know how the cow was treated. I didn't know its name, although that's probably because I didn't have one because uh, he has 300 of them. But... <laughs> Like it, it's a, a well-treated animal. It tastes amazing. And if I eat a pound of meat a day, which is a lot, that animal is going to last for more than a year. In fact, I'll wow. eat 0.7 animals per day. And we need cows, sorry, not 0.7 animals per day, 0.7 animals per year. So we need cows and sheep to keep soil from turning into deserts. Mm. The function of animals with hooves is to plow up the earth and then put new bacteria from their poop into the soil. Sure. And when we got rid of the buffalo, we got the dust bowl because we got rid of the buffalo. And we figured this out in Africa. There's a fascinating TED talk about elephants in Africa and how elephants actually reverse desertification by pooping and plowing up soil. Wow. So let's look at how many deaths per calorie come from a vegan diet. Now, a big tractor went through and cut down all that grain, and it cut down all the snakes, bunnies, turtles, rabbits, grasshoppers, and smaller life forms that were in that field. We also destroyed the soil. We destroyed habitat that could have been a natural, healthy biome. And instead, we basically took it and we watered it uh, with water from an aquifer that we've drained all over the Southwest in order to make low-calorie density foods, like fresh vegetables, let's say, that we then put on a truck with petroleum and drove for a thousand miles, or better yet, an airplane from Peru, so you can have your you know, raw whatever in the middle of winter. Sorry, we didn't evolve that way. It's not environmentally sustainable, and it's actively bad for the environment. Wow. Give me a stick of grass-fed butter from a cow that ate on grassland that didn't need to be irrigated, and what I'm eating is one of the most sustainable foods on earth, and it doesn't have the inflammatory protein that's present in cheese. Take all that extra protein from the dairy and give it to a pig and let the pig make bacon and I'll eat that. And that's why I spoke at the David Wolf conference. He's like one of the head raw vegan guys. And, and I really like David. Yeah. Uh, we actually went to the same school at the same time together years ago. And I stood up and I, I thought I might get booed off the stage, but I said, <laughs> guys, I, I've been a raw vegan, but today I'm a lacto ovo beefo porco vegetarian. And what does, they, that, what does that exactly mean? <laughs> <laughs> Explain it in in terms that people understand, like myself. <laughs> so there are people who go, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm a lacto ovo vegetarian, which means I'll, I'll eat milk and eggs, but I'm still right. a vegetarian. Right? Right, right. And then like, I'm only a lacto vegetarian. I'll eat milk, but not eggs. Uh, and it's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> the animals I eat, 
they might be lacto ovo beefo you know beef and pork <laughs> but they were treated well they ate their sure. natural food and they didn't die in in a horror of pain and suffering uh, and i don't eat commercial meat I, I don't feel good when i eat it yeah. it's it's mistreated it's given antibiotics and it's not cool so food quality i love the vegan uh, philosophy there about quality of food i share it uh, there are lots of vegans who've gone bulletproof especially if their health wasn't doing very well and I, I very much respect the principles behind a vegan diet. When you put on your system thinking cap, though, mm. there are ways to improve your health and to improve the health of the world by selectively eating very high quality animal products and right. not too much of them. Right. And, and you, besides the, the point of, uh, you know, living in a sustainable world and not shipping, uh, you know, these raw foods from all over the world and things like that and, and using the gas and all that and the time and energy for that. What about the effects of the body um, needs meat, you know, these grass fed beefs and things like that over not needing meat? Like, does our body, can it function as, as, as highly without meats uh, if they're at the top of the line meats or can we still function on the high end? Because I know there's some athletes like UFC fighters. I think there's a couple guys maybe in the NFL who are, who say they're vegan. I think Carl Lewis was a vegan. So I think there's some extreme athletes who have, done exceptionally well performed at high levels but and it's know. it's funny Lewis I, I wrote about Carl Lewis um, he went vegan he did really well for the first what six months or so after he went vegan and after that he kept getting injured and he didn't set any more records really yeah and that was actually a really controversial post and there's something that I call the vegan trap and it's something that I fell into if you go vegan, you will cut an enormous amount of toxins from industrial meat out of your body and you will feel good. You'll get the sure. glow as we talk about as, as vegans. <laughs> right. The vegan power. And like, you know, you'll, you'll lose weight too. Yeah. Uh, like you'll, you'll feel really good. I advocate a very fresh, very carefully chosen vegan diet for up to 30 days. Mm -hmm. It'll totally be good for you. It's a cleanse. Yeah. But if you do it all the time, the vast majority of people don't do very well on it. And the ones who do are typically very young or they might be exercising their asses off kind of like you do. So right. you would tolerate a vegan diet better than someone who is exercising a lot less. But just because you tolerate it doesn't mean that you're that you're doing great things for your aging and mm. all of that. Interesting. So, man, I would love to hear a conversation between you and like Rich Roller or some vegan. You know, and I wonder I'll invite Rich onto my podcast. You should. Uh, uh, no, I, I will. It, it's a really good idea. I, I love talking to people who totally disagree with me. As long as we have a conversation that's done like, you know, you're a poopy head. Right, right, right. I'm done with that. I, <laughs> I'm just not playing that. I, I will. I, I love hearing people say, actually, no, here's here's the reason you should eat beets. And I tell you, avoid beets. They're high in sugar and they're high in oxalic acid, which causes all sorts of weaknesses in the body. But there's another set of athletes who say eat a little bit of beet because of nitric oxide. And like, I don't know the answer to that, sure. but I'm pretty sure that people eat a lot of beets don't do as well. So like, let's let's <laughs> come to a consensus. Like, that's what scientists do. Right. It's crazy. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I look at Rich Roll, though. Uh, he's a buddy of mine. And I look at his physique and his body and how he does these ultra marathons. And uh, it's amazing how he's transformed his body from being overweight i think he was 50 or 100 pounds overweight kind of like you yeah went completely cold and vegan cold turkey and uh transformed his body and it serves him it works for him so there may be things that work for people and maybe they don't work for people um, there are there are multiple paths no doubt right, about right, it right um if we look at his stress levels his aging levels and all 
he may have phenomenal numbers. I don't even know if he tracks all that stuff. I'd want to know his triglycerides and all. Right. But th there are certainly many paths. And I've, like I said, I, I lived the raw vegan thing for for quite a while, sure. and I I benefited from it. Right. Um, but over time, I got autoimmune conditions, and and there's probably about thirty former raw vegans in the bulletproof forums today who are like i got sick when i was raw vegan and it's mm. taken me a couple of years especially women get this uh, to get my health back um oftentimes yeah. they start in their early 20s and then it doesn't hit them because you're resilient when you're young and then they hit like you know 28 or 30 and they just realize like oh my god it's not working yeah uh, what do i do next i interviewed uh bob harper who's the host of the biggest loser and i actually work out with him sometimes in a crossfit gym here in la and he was vegan for a year and then decided to go off of it because he said he was starting to feel sick and wasn't able to gain strength uh, as much when he was working out and just it wasn't working for him as much and then he transferred back into you know having eating meats and grass-fed meats and things like that and now he's put on this strength again so I, I've definitely heard that it's funny uh, one of my buddies uh, Karez Reynolds uh, runs a, a hammer CrossFit in Phoenix and he, I had this conversation with him he said Dave when someone walks in for their first assessment, I don't know what they eat. If they jump up, he has a hang test where you just hang on a bar as long as you can, <laughs> just holding your whole body weight. He goes, I can pick a vegan out because they can't hold on very long. Wow. And it doesn't matter if they look good, but like they just don't have the the core strength and, and resilience that I expect. And so he gets them on a higher saturated fat thing, not just coconut oil, he'll bring butter and, and some more animal protein in. And then they get the ability to hang on to the bar for much longer. So it, it's not like you're a bad person if you're a vegan. You're not. Right. I've been one. I, I respect all that. It's just that even a guy like Rich, I swear, if we added like some ghee, clarified butter into his diet, I bet we would see better performance from wow. him. I, I just bet. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, I could talk about this stuff forever. Um, but I, I've got a couple questions left for you because we're, we're already at an hour and I could talk for three more hours. But uh, I want to make sure everyone goes and pre-orders the book before I ask you the last couple questions. Go to uh, bulletproofdietbook.com. You can get uh, a free roadmap and you can also you'll get the information on how to buy the, the book there. I think it's uh, order bulletproofdietbook.com where you can order it. Yeah, but it doesn't come out until December. Uh, we'll be sure to have you back on then and uh, talk more about that, as I'm sure you'll have some cool giveaways and prizes for people that buy multiple copies then. Um, check that out. Go check out bulletproofexact.com. Download the podcast. It's an amazing podcast. Lots of great guests on there. And again, research, uh, lots of information, tests, examples, and uh, it's great. So go check it out there. Subscribe on the newsletter, bulletproofexact.com as well. Uh, he's got Dave's got a conference coming out. You've got workshops, speaking gigs, so you can just get inf information on all that stuff that he's got going on. Definitely recommend checking it out, and hopefully, I can come to one of your conferences here in the new future as well, uh, Dave, and check that out. A um, couple questions left. One, you've done all this testing and you've done so many experiments. Do you have all the answers yet? No one has all the answers yet. And no one will ever have all of the answers. Uh, the whole process of science is to keep pushing at the edges of what's possible because the things that we think are impossible today actually aren't. So how do you get by with no sleep and feel great and amazing? Or how do you just sleep better? Things like that, we're, we're nowhere near done. We're just scratching the surface because we didn't have the sensors, we didn't have the technology in order to even understand what was going on with humans until a little while ago, and we're still building it. 
So no, I don't have all the answers. In fact, my email signature line says, I guarantee that at least one statement on my website or in this email is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Nice. Okay. So what continues to drive you? Is it searching for the answers? What motivates me today is, it's funny you mentioned the Bulletproof Conference uh, in LA, September 26th. Uh, and it, Stephen Kotler, the guy who wrote The Rise of uh -huh, Superman, yeah. and has started the Flow Genome Project. Yep, I'm supporting awesome. the Flow Genome Project. He's the keynote speaker, and, and we're going to actually have technology to put you in a flow state there. And what motivates me now is, is being in a flow state, like being a great dad and helping a lot of people is my, my big motivator. Like if I don't feel like I'm helping people, um, I don't have a good day. So I, I try to structure the things that I do with Bulletproof uh, to, to be of public service. I just invested a ton of money in making a, a high-end documentary that comes out in March about the effect of mold in our houses and in our food supply and what it does uh, to to people. I'm interviewing like the world's top physicians treating this and a bunch of really high-performance people who are knocked out of their careers by this this kind of unexpected thing growing in their bedroom. So that's a public awareness activity, and I'm I'm stoked to be able to do things like that that are really about spreading things. That that's mm. what motivates me. Mm. I love it. What, where do you see Bulletproof Executive in the future? We're opening our first coffee shop in Santa Monica. Wow, really? This year. Yeah. Wow. And the idea is coffee, especially done right, Bulletproof coffee, uh, it's a, a gateway drug to feeling amazing all the time. So my understanding of the world is that when people turn their brain on all the way, using whatever technologies work for them, including a vegan diet, if that's right for them, <laughs> um, that, that when their brain is on all the way and they've met their core biological needs, they're nicer to each other. And I want my kids to grow up in a world and I want to be in a world where people are nice to each other because they're not ravenous all the time. I think we can do that and we can actually help people uh, achieve a lot more and just be better people by addressing core biology and then psychology. Mm, very cool. Hopefully you have Wi-Fi there. I'll be sure to have lots of meetings there. <laughs> Count uh, on it. <laughs> what are you most grateful for recently? You know, most most recently, I, I mean, I how could I not be grateful for the Bulletproof Diet book deal and all? But I've been grateful. My my son just turned five. My daughter just turned seven, and it's been just an amazing summer. They're off school, so I've had some time to just like to do father kid stuff. And I I just took a picture of of him, my five year old Alan the other day. Uh, we were climbing a local peak, and he was walking along this edge of this giant boulder. And I, I snapped this photo and, and he's ripped, <laughs> he's five. But I was just watching the way he moved and just like how fit he was and climbing trees. And I look back to like, I was a fat kid and I, I'm just grateful that, that mm. I have the knowledge uh, to help my kids just have, the, have their biology work so they can just be whoever they're gonna be. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just blown away by that. Mm, I love it. I, before I ask you the final question, I just wanted to acknowledge you for the amount of energy, commitment, and effort that you've put into learning about the state of high performance and the, the research you've done, again, the, the investments you've made, the products you've created to serve others in helping them get to their highest level and helping them achieve their own greatness. So I really acknowledge you for everything you're up to in the world and the big change you're having in people's lives. So thanks for that and I, uh, I acknowledge you. Um, I want to ask you the final question, which is what I ask all of my guests, and that is, what is your definition of greatness? 
Great final question, and and thank you for uh, for those kind words. Um, by the way, I uh, I'm, I'm honored. You're you're a pretty high performance guy. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, definition of greatness. Let's think about that for a second. I I think of uh, of Henry Miller. Uh, there, there's a quote that I use sometimes in in my talks, uh, and one that that's I think the most phenomenal one ever. And he says, uh, the goal of life is not to accumulate power, but to radiate it. And hmm. my definition of greatness is, is to live by those words. And, and rather than, you know, grasping at the things and, and, you know, just kind of hoarding things to instead just look at how do I use whatever I have with me, whether it's almost nothing or whether it's, it's great wealth uh, in, in the service of others. And, and that's what makes you great and not not anything else. Mm. Dave, I love that. And I appreciate you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom. And again, for everything you're up to in the world to make it a better place. So thanks so much for coming on, my man. Lewis, love your show. Love the work you're doing. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. And leave a comment and share this post over at lewishouse.com slash 92. All the stuff that we talked about from the interview with Dave is right there on the show notes, lewishouse.com slash 92. We've got some cool uh, videos and some links. You can check out Dave's new book over there. And uh, let me know what you guys think. Leave us a review over on iTunes over at iTunes.com slash School of Greatness, where you can see all of the posts or over at Stitcher as well. I appreciate you guys so much for checking out this episode and hanging out with me today and Dave, and look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode of the School of Greatness. seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium bang and a Lufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range in a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.